It's time to make the Yuletide gay. We watch something like summer, which means it's time for another Portland at the Movies. In a world, in a time, in a land of eternal beauty, all that stands between a city and a disaster, in a city where anything can happen. If you thought you had seen it all. You're a stalker, a gay stalker. Hello and welcome to another episode of Portland at the Movies. My name is Todd Workoven and joining me as always is Mark Middleton. How are you, Mark? I'm really well today now that that movie's Good. over. <laughs> yes, and we have a very oh, special guest today. Hold on, there's oh. a loop. It's looping. Oh no. <laughs> We're good. Sorry. That opening was just so good we had to hear it several <laughs> times in a row. You're a gay stalker. <laughs> Uh, yeah, joining us, uh, not as always, as a very special Christmas miracle guest, it is Nicholas Beatty. How are you, Nicholas? I'm great, Todd. Thanks so much for inviting me. <laughs> You're welcome. This is a very normal way to communicate to each other, and this is this is how we always this is how we always greet each other when I come over. Hello, Nicholas. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. <laughs> awesome. Um, this uh, this month we are taking a look at the movie called Something Like Summer, uh, which is a movie that you, Nick, uh, uh, brought to our attention. So why don't you tell me a little bit how this movie came to be on our plate? Well, out of fairness, it was 1130 at night and I just didn't want to spend a lot of time looking for a movie. And he was scantily clad. <laughs> and Netflix said, hey, you might want to check this out. And so I did. And... Uh, I, I I go down this rabbit hole of like watching too much serial television, and so I I really do try to just watch films for a while because uh, it's a you know start it and finish it, and there's no investment. And uh, yeah, this this movie was unfolded <laughs> before me like the beautiful flower that it is. <laughs> and, so uh, who? Yeah, uh, who wants to give a little um, a little summary or a little oh my a little, word? What 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 is this movie, Mark? Why don't you why don't you take this? Okay, so it it's a it's a, it's a coming coming of age movie, uh, and I, I I would say so. Uh, our protagonist is Ben, and um, he is in high school, and he came out when he was in ninth grade, and he is. Uh, crushing on and stalking uh tim who is hanging out with uh the the bad boy bryce bryce hunter and uh and so tim and bryce are hanging out and and ben is watching him and then there's a fling and then he breaks his heart and then he meets a uh a uh, flight attendant and they get involved for a couple years and then Tim comes back in the picture and tries to ruin things and then there's uh, fights and then there's a fruitcake and, and <laughs> then, then, then there's brain cancer an aneurysm and there's death and uh, then Redemption. everybody gets together 
it like 15 years later when they look identical to when they first started well you said coming of age and i'm like it's coming of age during a 12 year period right <laughs> yes so yeah that's something i'd like to identify out of the gate is that this this um is kind of like a, a light romantic comedy type thing like a hallmarky type so it's 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 kind of meant to be a cotton candy feel-good type movie and i think mark as you were going through your description it was it was perfectly accurate in how i felt watching this movie because i was like <laughs> oh i can get i understand the story it's fun wait wait what now now it's another movie oh now oh, and we're only halfway t- done i <laughs> almost cried when i was like cried too? i was i was <laughs> <laughs> i was really on board for this movie for the first 40, 45 minutes because it was like, oh, this is just a nice little whatever. There was a part that was Christmas and everything. And I was like, oh, good. (laughs) And then it kept doing the three years later, five years later, two years later, one year later. And it was so exhausting that by the end I was just and it's two hours long. So how I could. How did they introduce the five years later, two years later, Todd? That was one thing I did like, but realized I must have missed a lot of these. I, right? I missed at attention. least one. Yeah. Because it's kind of like if you remember, if people remember, this is kind of a, a, a weird uh, callback. But at the beginning of the movie Panic Room, the David Fincher, Jodie Foster movie uh, Panic Room, the way they did the credits was like the first time you can kind of oh. like 3D render them into yep. the environment. I remember that it was like super cool. So this wasn't done by computer graphics, but it was always like the five years later was on the side of the taxi cab as it came up. And so it said like five years later and then like whatever. And physically, one and they time actually it was filmed like, it. Yeah. Yeah physically on the thing and like yeah. it was like on a bag or a sweatshirt or something like that so like on a cake i don't know how many sign, i missed and, yeah. <laughs> there was there was one and it just in paris that was actually burnside <laughs> uh was... now oh, so, that so... one was my favorite when it, you see <laughs> the eiffel tower you see the eiffel it's like the eiffel tower over skidmore fountain and then like <laughs> the old whatever it says on the stairway up to the burnside bridge for saturday old town saturday market or whatever and then it's like two years Paris five years later or whatever so, so I, I i appreciated that i don't know if it was effective every time so in an effort to you know apologize for for this film (laughs) let me just say the only reason that i recommended it is that there are so many idyllic uh, iconic portland locations in the movie and you know this is the reason that you do the podcast just to like oh hey look it's portland at the movies you know what i mean it's a very portland movie that takes place in texas and Paris. <laughs> and Paris. And Chicago. It Chicago. took me a long time to do And like Austin. 25 and Austin. minutes into the movie. And I'm like, that's weird. They were at Lake Oswego High School. And then they go inside the classroom. I'm like, they have a giant Texas flag in the background. I wonder why that is. And like 45 minutes later, they were like, we've loved living in Texas this whole time. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? But clearly they've been playing by Mount Tabor so, so long. And Irvington. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that what park that was at? The uh, Irvington apartment. It's actually this. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. That looked a lot like the place that you guys used to live with, uh, yep. live yep. at by PSU. I was like, is that is that where Mark and Nick used to live? <laughs> well, so I was yes. watching. I was watching the movie in the middle of the night, and I I was like, oh my god, that's the uh, that's that park that's in Westmoreland, kind of in between Westmoreland Park. Yeah, Westmoreland Park, and uh, it's oh, okay, super super recognizable. And I'm like, no, it can't be. 
Sure enough. He's jogging it, by the little water feature that's Okay, flat I couldn't figure out everything. if that was... Oh, it's, that's Westmoreland Park. It's where he inflicted okay. bodily harm on the boy that he had the crush on. Did it's you see how he... Like, savagely broke the leg of his, his crush or whatever. Well, let's back up a little bit yeah. because as um, I didn't know this was on Netflix when I looked it up is that it was only available on Apple Plus. So I, I went to the dark web to get this movie. And as, as the Pirate Bay Torrent called this uh, something like summer and then in parentheses, gay interest. <laughs> so, so, yeah, this movie, I, I guess it's a coming of age story. But it, but like you said, they look identical the entire time. They never. They, they are. They never. They are they, all dressed, especially our our. Put a goatee on one or something <laughs> like something. Get a Anything. haircut. Get a haircut. Like I have never seen Change a movie where shirt. two of the two of the same haircuts make out, and it was like, oh, I've never <laughs> seen that before. <laughs> so. So these actors, both of the actors, they were 27 and 28, uh, of course, which is typical when you're, you know, when you're playing a high schooler in, in, in movies, you, you know, you got to be in your right. 20s, which I thought was funny. Right. So did we know by the end of this movie how much time supposedly had passed? It was five years at the end, and then it was five years in the middle, and then there was a, a two years, and then there was a three years, and then there was a one. There I mean, was it, a it, was nine, it was at least nine months. Had to have been at least 12. It was at least 12. I think it was supposed to be about 15 years. Those boys have amazing genetics. <laughs> amazing genetics. Well, it... it, it and they hold and on I to don't know. I don't know when they first started the blank years or months later, but there was a time, many, many, many times in this movie where I wrote, what year is this? Because at some point they're losing flip phones and then other times there's like a rotary dial telephone landline that they're talking on, like non-ironically. It's just like in the room. And I'm like, what? When did we start? Where did we end? Where am I? What's happening? Did they ever use modern phones? Because I never saw anything but flip phones. Never saw anything. They never got up to... And I wondered too if this was a movie that was made several years ago and then was finally able to be released in 2017 because i see it was like a big indiegogo campaign it was a kickstarter campaign so i just wondered if it took a long time to get to market and that's why they never went beyond flip phones but yeah i could not i could not figure out what what years these were but i mean i guess they were trying to make it both timeless but also somehow be 12 years which is like an impossible situation to try to do to be like this could be any time but it's still the the imdb storyline filled out by philip palovic says that it spanned 12 years mm. okay well why don't you read it can you read that yeah. how do they <clears throat> benjamin bentley is an openly gay 17 year old boy in houston texas with not so many friends he suddenly becomes so infatuated with Tim Wyman, a handsome, popular, apparently straight newcomer, when a not-so-accident brings them together. Their love story begins. They start a secret relationship and build a world of their own. Something Like Summer is a, is a coming-of-age story of true, long-lasting love about insecurities, social pressures, heartache, and love again that spans 12 years. It's about being true to yourself, letting your heart lead the way, and discovering the strength of love. Now, can huh. I just say, uh, if you Google this film, <clears throat> Google will say, if you liked something like Summer, you'll like the films Boy Love, Sodom, and Soft Lad. <laughs> hey, what was, what the, was last? the third one? Soft Lad. 
Well, I've been there. <laughs> I, thought, I thought that was amazing. Oh, my so gosh, this, that's this, so funny. This gives listeners, you know, a, yes. a taste of the Although, genre. I mean, I, I, like I said, I really liked the first 40 minutes, which mm-hmm. did kind of feel like its own complete movie. And the fact that it just kept going and going. And then, and then I was thinking... Um, it's nice to see a gay romance in film that is not centered around tragedy and right. death and AIDS <laughs> and all this. Right. And then what do they do? They kill off one of the love triangle guys just so us as the mm-hmm. audience can feel good about him getting back together with his ex. And I was like, how dare this movie? They didn't give him AIDS, but they gave him like a brain aneurysm literally out of nowhere. He had a headache twice, though. So he did. yeah, we. I, <laughs> his grandfather had it. We did predict that way <laughs> at the first headache. <laughs> oh, funny! Like, I did oh, like. He's gonna die of a brain tumor. <laughs> I did like. Yeah. So we have our our main character Ben, like you said, who is like this this ripped muscular nerd, which is not a stereotype that I'm familiar with, but okay. Um, who's uh, and we we are introduced to him um, in the park with his friends, and he's looking at in binoculars through Tim, who is his crush that is straight as far as he knows. And so there's that line that we use to open open the the show where his friend is notices how obsessed and how much he's watching him, and he goes, "You're a stalker, a gay stalker." It's like, well, that's just, that's not a joke. Like if you would have said gawker or like made a jo- I'm like that do you say like you're a stalker a tall stalker it's like that's not a heightening it's not a joke it's not a clever wordplay of any kind so I was like well that well the opening credits were the opening credits were pretty fascinating because it was these uh pencil drawings of it and, and this like hallmark music and you're like oh this is really sweet this feels very hallmarky and then all of a sudden you see the characters in the pencil drawings they're like wearing binoculars and hiding in bushes and like <laughs> one's lighting a fire in a bush and <laughs> his hand is down his pants and what like, this is getting really weird <laughs> and so yeah that opening was very confusing that was the opening uh credits sequence and i was like oh is it telling me the background uh like am i supposed to be paying attention this is the history of this guy and it wasn't really that and i was like oh Oh, well, duh, it's telling me that he's an artist and this is his art, which it is not. He is not an artist. He does not. Had nothing. He, <laughs> he never draws in the movie. Can, he sings. Can we talk? Yeah. Can we talk about the fact that this is a musical? Okay. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> as shockingly introduced in this podcast as it is in the movie itself, because in huge letters after some of this, I was like, a musical? And then a stage play? Because, yeah, he starts singing on the park bench and it like cuts to a stage production of the thing that is happening. Yes. <laughs> and... <laughs> And I was shocked. I was shocked because I did not know it was Speechless. a musical. But then, so they do this. They have this device all throughout the film where a character, usually him, I guess, will burst into a song, and we see a a, a Brechtian stage minimalist stage production where those main characters are seated, and uh, Ben will go to each of them and sing or whatever. And I was like, oh, well, he's not an artist. He is a theater kid and this is like his final project he is making a play well he's not doing that either 
And well, so they're doing a play version of the movie when he breaks into song. And every time I was like, well, now is this an actual play that they're putting on? Or is this just all? I think what the filmmaker was trying to do, it, uh, the, the character Ben wants to be a singer. He's, he's, he's very theatrical and he wants to be a singer, but he's afraid of singing in public. And this so hot, he, this hot, perfect man with an incredibly beautiful voice <laughs> is afraid not to be like he's not uncomfortable in all situations. He just is specifically afraid of singing in front of people for some reason. So these musical montages or, or, or whatever, these are internal. It's it's him kind of going into himself and experiencing his feelings through his music in his head, I guess. Right. What it feels like is a a 17 year old gay boy who had like a theater uh, class where they went into the behind the scenes, you know, let's talk about feelings and everything. And like, okay, now draft a play really quick uh, and, and put everything on there. Just, just put it all on there, you know, just include all the tropes and, and, Oh, I'm gonna sneak out while I'm I'm uh, being grounded by my parents, and I'm gonna sneak over to the boyfriend. But there's we never mention that again. The parents never catch him. They they there's there's so many like dead end trails in this film that yeah, because like, those parents were a, and his family were like a huge part of his story for the first twenty twenty five minutes, and they disappear literally until like the last scene, and they're basically like. <laughs> Driving in a car, being like, "Hello, we're still in the movie." Whatever you're doing, we got you a fruitcake. We brought you a fruitcake. <laughs> hey, what are fruitcakes for? Uh, the fruitcakes are for absolutely nothing. The only thing that that fruitcakes are good for is for bitching, and you've earned the right to do a lot of bitching. I'm like, Mark. what? Like so. <laughs> so if that fruitcake wasn't a metaphor for the the play the writer's own life (laughs) nothing was in this so did anybody do any research on the actual writer jay bell we we don't care about him so so i didn't this is a whole genre this like gay romance um oh i can totally see that as somebody who who grew up on rom-coms of the 90s that's that's the that's you know I, I judge everything that I see based on that, and I loved those. This is not that, but the gay audience <laughs> wants to experience those rom com feelings, and so there's this well, whole yeah, community of of filmmakers and artists and people that are that are making films like this. So there's 17 books in this series, something like series, and uh, Jay Bell has been very successful. Um, he's also created a couple of other titles. I'll read you a couple of his books. Um, he's got a really are, significant. Are they following. all from the same universe? Like, do they all have a similar character or like... same titles, different characters? Okay, so, so it's like a uh, Harle- Harlequin okay. Harlequin romance series for for gays. But um, some of his other titles that are not in the something like series are called Straight Boy, The Boy <laughs> at the Bottom of the Fountain, and Out of Time Into You. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. oh, that's a fantastic, fantastic title. At one point I did write, what sort of gay fantasy propaganda is this? Because it was like, where he has, so he has this crush on Tim or whatever, ends up breaking Tim's leg. Tim's parents are out of town. And so Ben becomes a Florence Nightingale thing, oh. brings 
And so um, Tim's leg is broken and so brings him to the hospital, which is like, okay, I can see that. That's fine. Brings him home from the hospital, like makes him fettuccine and then draws him a bath (laughs) and then stays there while Tim is taking a bath. (laughs) It's like he's not an invalid. He's got a broken leg. It's tough. But like, what is happening? But but. He invited him back into the room. He's like, give me a second. And then he invited him back into the room. It was the most awkward bathtub scene. It was so weird. And especially, no. and I know, like, down the line, Tim is going to have a fling with Ben. But I was like, those dynamics, and, like, not just the dynamics of what was happening there, but, like, the level of care, like, nursing care being bestowed on Tim, like, nobody would accept that. Like, no (laughs) real human being would accept like that level of let me get you this of, like from a person that like it was so weird to me but that's where we we and, hear and so they awkwardly, uh, ben yeah so they awkwardly hung out in the bathroom for a half an hour and chatted while he took a while tim bath. bathed and then, and then it, how did that scene conclude oh let me go check on the pasta yeah that pasta has been cooked for 35 <laughs> minutes oh, i didn't hear that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those noodles are going to be a little more than al dente, I think. <laughs> I think. <laughs> so if you liked this scene, you can see similar scenes in the movies City Boy, <laughs> which was a Focus, fam- Focus on the Family Films production in the 1990s. And you can also Ooh. watch The Talented Mr. Ripley. <laughs> For sure. Oh, sure, sure. But yeah, that was all very strange. And then so they're talking a little bit. Tim asked Ben, like, what it was like coming out so early, what's it like to be gay, blah, blah, blah. And Ben starts telling the story is like, well, before I came out, you know, I would be invited to all the sleepovers, but now everybody pretends not to know me. I'm like, that's the tragedy. You're, you're 17 years old and you can't go to, can't said, go to sleepovers anymore. He did, he did say a little bit more than that he did. during, during oh, that what exchange. did he say? Go ahead. Well, he, he said, well, you know, they don't invite me over to sleepovers anymore, so I'm not giving as many blowjobs. Uh, well, he said he <laughs> got invited over because he didn't blow and tell. He didn't, you know, he didn't blow and tell. You didn't hear that, Todd? <laughs> I did not hear that at all. <laughs> but he'd never oh been my kissed gosh. Though, so. And so if my time right line is right, he came out in ninth grade. And so he's blowing and not telling as a as a. 13 or 14 year old how jealous are you mark <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> oh sorry <sighs> that was also confusing because like at one point so we go through this whole story <clears throat> he and tim get together then they break up and then that's when our i think our first however many years later is we see ben on a plane and a flight attendant um shane jane jace jace jason yeah the flight attendant jace pays attention to him and is flirting with him and and gives him vodka and i'm like this flight attendant just gave vodka to like a high schooler and i was like well i guess it was three years later but that's still not 21 and like it was very (laughs) plying yeah (laughs) true Uh, i did like in um in tim's house he had a poster, I think, in the bathroom that was just like a, a it looked like a motivational picture of a mountain or whatever. And it said Mount Whateverist. <laughs> that was kind of odd, but kind of funny, I thought. Um, and the whole 
even though I, this movie takes part, it takes place over 25 years or whatever it is. <laughs> ben is always dressed like a hot dog on a stick employee. He's got these like bright yellow pants, a bright yellow shirt. At one point he's wearing this like white members only jacket that's, that has like two colored stripes down the side. <laughs> it was like he was one one step away from like that rainbow propeller hat that they all have to all have to wear by when they make their lemonade. I like the um, t-shirt with the headphones on it and the cord that came down the front of the shirt. That was. I cool. wrote that too, and I swear I've seen that somewhere, and I don't know if it's from someone I know or if it's from somewhere else. But yeah, I specifically wrote down about that shirt too. It looked like a giant pair of headphones coming off the shoulders, which is pretty great. Um, I did like some of the lyrics to the song. In the very first song, uh, there's a line that says... Uh, and this is all very high school musical-esque type of singing. Like yeah. the main character guy who can sing really well is like doing it in a style where he never moves his jaw, which right? sort of drove me crazy. Um, but like I thought the music was fun. I thought it was like I fought yeah. until the 45 minute mark or whatever. But the what there was a line in the first in the first song that says that says um, we wear our scarves like a noose. And our parts are slightly used. And I'm like, what, what is this song about? <laughs> yeah, it's very reaching the Spectre music. <laughs> oh, and that, well, that's a good point because I didn't recognize that song. I didn't write any song except for Barely Breathing, which was a mid-90s song by this guy named Duncan Sheik. It was like a one-hit wonder. And that's when it's like, wait a minute. Ha- is Are all of these songs covers? They are. They are. They are. And so... The the reason that this was delayed so much is probably getting the rights to all these mo- pieces of music. Regina Spector watches the movie. She's like, "What? No, what? No, I'm not dumb. never." <laughs> There's another time jump. No. <laughs> that looks that looks like Portland. <laughs> Well, let's talk about that a little more because there are yeah. a lot of Portland. It's not just that there are a lot of Portland uh, locations. It's that in all of the locations, they are photoshopped to yeah. look like another place. So like there is a there is uh, the the my favorite of which is the the montage where they go to Paris, all of which is in the Skidmore Fountain area with those like those arch <laughs> yep. things. So like they I loved it. They panned down at one point from Big Pink down to those arches kind of looking westish but through the arches was like some park in paris where everyone's like out and about in the french streets and then there's the eiffel tower in the background of like burnside or whatever and it's just it was so great and portland also stood in for austin and for chicago um (laughs) that's the one because it says it's like chicago two years later and it's just these stairs to Saturday markets. Right. <laughs> like, that's amazing. <laughs> but I love that. I thought that was all great. And it was, yeah. it was super fun to see those all photoshopped together. Yeah, And uh, um, yeah, the, and the CGI wasn't terrible, honestly. Like if no, and I, I had to say like this whole movie was well done. I mean, it was yeah. kind of toothless and, but I mean, that's kind of the genre anyway. It's not meant to like, it's meant to be there while you're cozy, in a blanket or whatever. It's that sort of thing. But like, I thought I didn't think the material was all that great, but I thought the actors were great. I thought everything about how it was made. So that was a refreshing thing to see on this podcast. So there's our Christmas miracle. Some producer but somewhere I, greenlighted this film and spent a lot of money making it. 
I did appreciate too. Yeah, I, and I appreciate for the purposes of this podcast specifically that there was a screenshot or a full screen at the end that that had most of the locations listed for me. So, thank you to the producers for including that. Um, ben also sort of looked like an off-brand James Franco, which <laughs> I thought was kind of funny the whole time, but um. Going back to Tim, so Tim is presumed straight. Um, they the I found it offensive as a straight person. The amount of straight stereotypes that uh, I was introduced to this man. Tim and his and his friend are constantly playing football. They are wowed by a Ferrari that that one of the one of their dads rents, and I was like, really? We're not all stereotypes, movie. <laughs> Uh, um so yeah it ends up i did like um tim ha- finds an excuse for ben to come over for dinner at tim's house because they were they've been secretly going out they've been hiding it from everyone because tim is still closeted and doesn't want anyone to know uh including his parents who are super religious um so they're like oh i'm just dropping off my homework why did i stay for dinner and so ben is there at tim's house for dinner and um, the dad asks, well, what about you, Tim? Do you do you have a girlfriend? And Tim says, oh, no, I'm gay and just kind of tells him about that. And I was like, oh, that's a really interesting little like it wasn't so formulaic in a movie like this. where right. It still has to be all hidden. I was like, oh, that's a really interesting dynamic to throw in there, um, which, of course, meant that then Tim wasn't allowed to hang out with him because his parents were super strict and all that. Um, I was also a little offended that they flirted during prayer. <laughs> I was like, "You boys, boys, see that your stand. eyes are open." Um. Then we get to there. There, so they're having this clandestine relationship. They're meeting again in a uh, in the park, and in the very first scene of the movie, forty minutes ago, or however many it was, they're at this park, and it's during the day, and everyone's out, and way off in the distance, you see this billow of black smoke like there's a big fire in the distance that was confusing was that foreshadowing? And so i think so because now 47 minutes in they're at the park again and one of their friends who is the friend of tim bryce hunter <laughs> bryce hunter the bad boy apparently is it's at night Tim and Ben are having there and they're kissing, but Bryce is there lurking in the bushes, going back to our illustrations, mm-hmm. setting fires. And so this fire gets set and all of a sudden the police come and for some reason, Tim and Ben run away. Like they're running from the cops now too. And I couldn't figure out, I mean, I get being like, we're not gay or whatever, but like they didn't have to run from the cops. I- <laughs> Yeah, the the fire lit up in a matter of seconds, followed just three seconds later by sirens, followed by five seconds later, the cops showing up. And Nick looked over. He goes, boy, they're giving Portland uh, police a a lot of uh, credit. And I said, no, actually, this is Houston police. They it have was a, lot a of savage credit. political comment about the state of Portland, <laughs> well, <laughs> Portland was, police and rescue. It was a seriously um, <clears throat> fast response time. But um, yeah, yeah, too fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they end up for some reason running away and they're like, oh, now that we're running away and we've been seen with Bryce, you know, we're all in trouble. And so they all kind of get in a fight. Tim and Ben break up. 
And I think that's when we, that's when I was like, oh, nice. The movie's over. And then it was like, Chicago, <laughs> two years later. And I well, looked down and I went, down. I'm only 47 minutes in and there's over an hour left of this movie. Yes. Less than halfway through the, the movie, it felt like it was over. So Ugh. before he heads to Chicago and after they break up, did you notice that there was a musical montage where... During the montage, he actually snuck into Tim's house, right. was smelling him while he was sleeping, and then left his key on the nightstand. And I thought, that is really, really creepy. <laughs> so the, the key was the necklace that uh, Tim gave to Ben. Uh, and so he's returning the thing, and, and it looked like, you know, he's, you know, came close to, you know, is he going to kiss? Is he going to... You know, like Sleeping Beauty kind of thing in his bedroom in the middle of the night. You're like, what is going on? And nobody mentions that again or calls him out for being uh, terrible. I don't know how I missed that part, too. I, I, maybe I was just disassociated, being lulled into disassociation by... We're by, normalizing uh, really creepy behavior here. This is very, very odd. Yeah, this... Stalking. They're not just stalkers; they're gay stalkers. Gay stalkers, but but he's but gay. He's I gay. mean, excuse me, he's gay. He's blind. <laughs> um, we get to see Lloyd Center Ice Rink, which was fun. Was was um, that Lloyd Center or was that Clackamas Happy Valley? Clackamas Town Center. I think it was Clackamas Town Center. Oh, was it Clackamas? Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's only two in the area that are in a mall, and that one had a food court buy it on the lower level oh so I right i think right, that right. that was clackamas but it looked just like the lloyd center one yeah yeah i'll look again but yeah so that was cool <laughs> to see yeah there was a lot of uh little neat locations like and that irvington court apartment which i don't know where that is but there yes yeah, so there is paris the paris montage was the eiffel tower behind skidmore fountain the louvre the triangle the glass triangle of the louvre was in there um, and then big that big pink. I just love that they that was a great included that and pan down and not just like a static shot. It was so great. Um, so we're in Paris and um, with so in this meantime, at when they he goes to Chicago, he meets that flight attendant. Um, Bri- no, not Bryce. Um, Jace. 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 Oh, wow, that's confusing. Uh, Jace, the flight attendant. Ben and Jace are dating for however long this was. Um, there's a couple couple time skips. They go to Paris and um, um, what's his name? I, I already so I bet Jace. I bet on set that the names were even more confusing because the character Jace is played by Ben and Ben's character <laughs> is played by Grant Davis. Oh, no. And Tim's character is played by Davy Santos. So so you got uh, Davis, shit. Davy. Ben, Ben, Jace, and Tim, uh, like all, and Bryce. Are, are just three. Of these, yeah. So Jace, wow, played by Ben. Okay. Yes, had had organized at the <clears throat> restaurant to have Ben go up and sing on stage, even though that's what he was afraid of. So I'm not. I I, I maybe mess missed the machinations, and maybe it was a promise to do that if they ever went to Paris or something like that. But he gets up on stage and. You know, it's a surprise to him, but he goes up there and then but all of a sudden he just gives one look to the pianist who gives literally one bar of music and Ben launches into a song sung completely in French, La Vie and Rose, knows the word is fluent and going along with the pianist. <laughs> like, you know, if wow. you're if you're flying in from Houston 
and you're an American and you're nervous, don't pick a French song. Right. Like pick. And it doesn't even seem like he picked that. It's like no. that's just what the pianist started playing <laughs> right. with one bar, Play, and he like, knows let that it in... be or something American that, or or like establish. <laughs> oh, I've always loved because he does sing at the very beginning when he starts taking care of Tim. Um, there's a there's a killing me soft uh, killing me softly right. plays, but it's not it's not Roberta Flack or the Fugees. It's like some guy <laughs> sings the hits or whatever it was, and so Ben starts harmonizing it uh, with the song, and I am such a sucker for harmony, especially like that. I'm like. <laughs> am i gay now did, did, <laughs> did ben just convert me it was so beautiful so um mark and i did so ask like each if, other how todd yes, felt all, watching this all, <laughs> all it takes is a little bit of harmony and <laughs> i could be swung up turn nice. but they didn't like it that would have been a decent place to set up that like oh they played la vie and rose and he knew it then and this is a callback to that but i just thought it was so funny like such a short little on the piano and he's like, oh, it's like is this coming from? Um, and But as he's singing that, all of a sudden he's sort of like having these flashes in his head. You can see his anxiety. He sees his old friend and his um, uh, he has this breakdown and then runs off a stage. Uh, and then we get a one year later. And I wrote, why is it called? Um, what is this? Movie Somewhere Something summer. like Summer. Right. When it takes place over 12 years. <laughs> Which bothers because I'm like, what summer are we talking about? We've had five Christmases <laughs> and like 12 summers. They met um, on the last day of summer vacation. And that's when the whole romance began. And so I guess that's yeah. why. Mm. Hmm. I guess. And I didn't think, like, I don't feel like you can have a coming of age movie that spans like over a decade to me coming of right. age is like it's like a you're summer ha- is stand by me you're having a summer right. you're having this big thing happened and you graduate from childlike thinking into the adult world right. in some capacity or whatever <laughs> nope this one you're literally just watching a person go from 17 to 28 or whatever it is <laughs> we are just watching an adult navigate their life and and they held on to things like no like like my mom does like they like six years later they're just having like this falling out conversation like well you left me you know like well you've moved on you've got a boyfriend you moved to like you're like what like it is a different decade like Sorry, uh, they Mom. do do that in movie. They they do that in movies a lot. Where like something will happen. Like let's say in a sitcom, a couple will be at a party or whatever, and like something zany happens, and then like the next scene is in the car on the way home, and like they're just talking about it, or it's like two days later, but now they're finally having that convert. They're like picking up where that conversation left off a, a while ago. But it was a little dramatic to do that five years after the thing happened. <laughs> right. One at one point, that was. Tim is oh sorry Nick go ahead. Well, one of the things that was was a little confusing, like at the beginning of the film, we saw the smoke off in the distance, and it wasn't really mentioned. And and when they were in the uh, French uh, bistro, <clears throat> Jace walks in, and there's this like knowing, like extremely knowing. He like you rubbed the mater d' shoulder, and like they had a glance back and forth. And I don't feel like the filmmaker understood like the subtleties that 
you can tell stories without actually saying anything. And there were a lot of opportunities during this film where things like that happen. You're like, oh, there's something I should be watching here or should I should understand like what what they're trying to say here, but then there's nothing mentioned. And it was just awkward. Well they didn't mention it, but that was you know, he had already had a prearrangement with the Mater D to get this boy on stage. But and it was really it familiar. was totally yeah, it was because oh, I do remember seeing yeah, I was like, Oh, are they friends or something like that? But I yeah. guess it makes sense that's when he was saying, Here's the thing for Yeah. <laughs> or Oh, I was going to say, say, there's a point where Tim Tim is talking with, I, I don't even remember too, probably at this point in the movie, it's probably um, Bryce? Jace. Jace. Grief. Boyfriend number two he's talking to. And I don't know where they are in their setting. I think they're back in Portland because they went to, they go to Cha 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 restaurant at one point. Yep. But then Tim is just standing in, in front of one of those cool giant posters of all the Portland bridges. Oh, I didn't see that. It was so funny. Yeah, you can see half the poster. It was just like all of the, and it didn't, it didn't say Portland bridges on it, but it was like I have a shirt with that graphic on it that has like the yeah twelve Portland bridges or whatever. And I was like, oh, good for the filmmakers throwing in that little that little nod, Portland nod reference there. To the bridges of Portland. And my 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 next immediate note was forty minutes left, <laughs> and that's and that's where Tim. Boyfriend number one from high school shows up in Austin. I think they're all in now and wants to be friends with Ben and Jace, even though Ben and Jace are a couple and shows up with a pizza. And I was like, is this just a gay porn now? Right. <laughs> I'm here with your pizza. <laughs> I've got a delivery. <laughs> well, there was a, a very interesting part at the beginning before right when ben is falling in love with tim before anyone's made a move or whatever and ben goes over to tim's house and sees tim making out with his girlfriend and tim's girlfriend is sitting on his lap with his back towards ben and tim starts making eye contact with ben while he's making out with and undressing his girlfriend and i was like Okay, movie. All right. That's that's what I wrote down is it's just a, a, a gay fantasy propaganda movie. Yes. Totally. But then he calls uh, 30 minutes later when, when Ben is home and he's like, uh, oh, she left. Um, maybe you can come over and help finish off where she left off. And that's how they started their, their romance. Their tryst. Yeah. And I did think and, and not having I, – I, I can't speak for your world or whatever, but it seemed like Tim – the, the the closeted guy was so comfortable in what was happening. Like it, Ben was a little nervous. He hadn't had kissed before or whatever. So like he had showed appropriate nerves or whatever, but like Tim was just like on his game and like knew what to do and was comfortable with everything. But then still, so I just thought that was an interesting dynamic to have. Well, he was new to school and they had just moved from Kansas city. And so I think that, he got kicked out of his previous school for screwing around with all the boys and his parents were mortified. And so they had to relocate to a new city. That's my backstory. Uh, That's a great, that's a, now that's a movie. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Tim, Tim, I'm not gay. And like then 
commences kissing him and going down on him and everything. You're like, yes, yeah, and then are. they pan. They're making out on the couch, <laughs> and the camera pans down to his his leg cast, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> yeah. Which which magically disappeared about about uh, a week later. A week later, uh, right. yeah, because when they get in that fight after the arson thing or whatever, I'm like, didn't he have like a broken, a, a, a catastrophically broken leg? He he had a sprained ankle that <clears throat> that only the 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 nurse said, yeah, you. It, it'll take about a week to heal. Oh, I missed that. It was only a sprained ankle and still that level of nursing care. Yeah. He just, that is, oh, that's crazy. Yeah. I thought it would be like he broke the leg and like no. the bone said, came out. Because wasn't, no, there was he a lot of blood. There was blood on, the, on, his, on his skinned knee, but the ankle was just a sprained ankle. And, and the nurse said it'll be about a, about a week. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. Yeah, I thought it was like one of those compound fractures where it was like, okay, I can see. I want to make sure you're good. But he drove him to the ho- Okay, well, <laughs> I guess I can give myself to him. So in in the mean in the in the time that Tim has been away, um, and they all end up in Austin, Tim has become the not sugar baby or whatever you call the person attached to a sugar daddy but sort of yeah and so there's this there's this other character that we never see except in a painting to which uh ben says he's beautiful (laughs) like what it's just like some guy. It looks There's like just <laughs> some guy. Uh, the, so I don't a know portrait of the, a Kentucky Fried Chicken franchisee a, in the seventies, right? Uh, and so, <clears throat> so Tim, the the gay straight love interest, has a sugar daddy at some point who dies, and he inherits all his money, right? And there's rumors on the street that Tim has a sugar daddy, and and oh, you guys are all talking about me, and he—he he was my best friend, and yeah, you know, we never got any depth about that. That was just tossed out into the middle of the pile of junk in this movie, like everything. It, else. It, yeah, it was a very strangely defined <laughs> relationship because he's like, it's not. He he intimated that it wasn't a physical or sexual one, but then. Yeah, so that was and it was it was strange to take a character who literally at the beginning lives in a mansion and has a Ferrari. Right. Then needs a sugar daddy. Needs a sugar daddy, becomes one and then is now just richer than he was before at the age of like 27. He did say at one point that his parents have just are not part of his life anymore. So he might have been been ostracized from his family and cut off from the wealth. So he needed a sugar daddy. Uh, okay. So he could go now back to Kansas City and finish his <laughs> blowjobbing. <laughs> he did have an interesting taste. So he Tim is also an artist, and we are shown like in the high school portion, he has um, a big um, not gallery space, but art space where he makes these great paintings or whatever. Now we're being reintroduced to him, um, and he brings Ben to his new studio and we're meant like the way that the new studio is revealed. It's as if like, we're supposed to be blown away when it, I believe it is just the same set as the first one with just a different window. in it. I was like, well, this is just, 
so the so, same concrete block room. Different that was lighting. So, so yeah. weird because so Ben spent the night at his house and then he heard a splash in the pool. He went outside to go investigate and he didn't see Tim. So he was wandering around and then he found a storage shed with like a massive chain on it. Then he starts trying to like open the the, ch- the combination the combination lock. yeah and then when it opens up and you go into the room it's not a storage shed it's this massive like warehouse space with like beautiful light glistening through <laughs> showing the dust and like it's but, but the other thing is we're led to believe like oh wow look at this beautiful art within i mean it's all it was like goodwill art it was really bad art I and I impressed. thought it was leading up to because there was like there were some portraits and there were sketches and stuff like that. And I thought this was leading up to a paint me like one of your French girls right. situation, which also never happened. Nope. But I was very confused because, yeah, he hears the splash in the pool. <clears throat> so he goes out back of this mansion and the pool, there's no ripples in it or anything. And he walks all the way, you know, to the side of the house but then they're suddenly in a field with a barn with that padlock on. I was like, well, where are they? Because then Tim just like appears out of the forest in a bathrobe. And I'm like, well, where, where did happening? he come from? Where did he come from? He came from the pool. <laughs> this film is the fantasy of a 14 year old gay boy. That's all it is. <laughs> with no. Editing. Well, and the other, the other thing about his art in, in his, in Tim's bedroom, there is like this expressionist kind of, painting of like a gross bathroom sink which i thought was an interesting thing to have right next to your bed your bed um we then ben graduates because they're still all in school together but there's graduation and his family's not even at graduation like the first chunk of this movie their family is supportive and close and cheering them on and like they just fully disappear and he's (laughs) alone at graduation (laughs) And recognize that it's funny they're just they sitting, put their sitting alone the on a bench um we see pdx from the air which was really interesting because it was like a droney shot from like almost right above um the terminal itself so that was kind of a neat thing to see was that pdx um, or was that did you recognize that mark oh it, it it looked like it just because of the curvature but maybe i didn't look close no no, I think that was the Austin airport. And so they oh, were try, was I, was trying I to again, do an establishment. There were a couple of establishing There were a couple of establishing shots that were from elsewhere. I mean, I, there was one that was very specifically Austin. And then the, oh, interesting. possibly that airport. But I think there were only about two. <clears throat> so I think the one look back. from Austin was Portland skyline with four buildings from Austin <laughs> added to it. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and there was one that looked like a, Pyramid. and I think it was a Texas one, an Austin one, where but it looked like, it looked like a landscape you'd see on like The Walking Dead or whatever. It was like it was all dark and weird, and the buildings were like kind of crooked and dark. It was just like a very strange. It wasn't like a pretty night skyline. It was like this weird post post apocalyptic thing. And it, this is at the point of the movie where I just started going mental because we had our. Two years later, nine months later, one year later, and then three years later. And like in a movie where you're doing time jumps, it's like you're resetting the whole movie, right? You're starting over. You're putting that story away and now you're starting a new story. So the exhaustion of like, oh, 
we're starting a new story now. Like I just need this to be over. And it was just so arbitrary and so weird to just pop in for these three and three years later. And then like almost at the end of the movie, five years later, and it was so (laughs) mental. So he, Ben and Ben and, um, boyfriend number two, Lance or whatever his name is, Jace. Jace. Uh, are together, you know, they're they They tried to work it out where Tim was also in their friend group, but it was weird. Um, and then out of the blue, um, Lance Bryce, whatever his name is, Jace. has Jace, Jace boyfriend number two has an aneurysm and dies all within the span of like three minutes. And that's when I was like, how, how dare this movie get rid of this guy just so we as the audience can have that nice feeling of like, Oh, the original two people that loved each other are back together, but we didn't want to make anyone the bad guy. We wanted to have our cake and eat it too. But we had already established that Tim is the bad guy because he had a friend, uh, pose as a secret lover of Jace so that Tim could get Jace and Ben to break up. How shady That's, is that? <clears throat> That's right. And, and then so, Ben so Tim was a goes, horrible human. And <laughs> when his excuse was, I told you I'd do anything to get you back. Wow. Oh, I missed that. I missed all the good parts, apparently. I guess I should go back and uh, I did only watch this once. Usually I try to watch them twice, but I only got around to this one. Um, so I. Yeah. So. so Go ahead, I should Nick. just say that the Reddit thread about this film is pretty fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> the, the title says, something like Summer is an utter, unapologetic piece of crap. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> and then the body of that thread says, that's all. <laughs> <laughs> I, do take, I do take umbrage with that uh, just because I think, like we said, especially – when you look at the history of the movies that we watch for this podcast specifically, <laughs> I think the movie was well made. I didn't have any huge problems with how it was directed. I thought all the actors did well for what yep. they had to do. I think the story was uh, could have used some tweaking or I, I mean, again, going back to that first 45 minute chunk, if we would have thrown in that part where Tim had to move cities and that's his backstory and they're working through that. I thought that would have been great, but they're just at one point there was just too much. I mean, there's too big of a chunk of these people's lives. And I think one of the reasons they had to have, especially that last, that last three years later part was to give us the audience a, Oh, well they, they were, had several good years together before, you know, going, going back to Tim, they didn't break up right away they had some years together as a couple that were good just to kind of placate the audience into accepting going back to tim uh in this time of grief or whatever oh poor, boy we poor did see jace t- i ah, poor jace J- poor jace like he got the the bad end of all the all the six he was the one that was loyal he was the one that moved to austin to be with the boyfriend he like really extended himself he he was honest with him about like i i this guy was flirting with me because i literally had to hold his hand the entire flight uh and he loved cats he loved cats uh and he he, wanted he he wanted to but knew that he was not going to because he was committed to ben 
And, and they never, I mean, they do exonerate him and I guess give him a noble death or whatever. But you're right. They don't spend enough time because the first note um, when, so the guy, the fake boyfriend shows up to, to, to trick Ben into thinking that, um, an affair is happening and immediately he runs to Tim and they sleep together. And like I wrote in my notes, like has he even confirmed that right. an affair even happened? Like I know he confronted him and he was like, no, I don't, you know, I don't know what's happening. I don't know who this guy is. And he's like, Oh, you're lying. You're lying. And then we don't get a lot of like, I feel the weight of the redemption that is deserved for, for Jace in this justice for Jace, maybe justice for Jace t-shirts Hashtag. that say justice for Jace. Cause yeah, he is uh, just a good guy all around, which was why it was such a bummer that they just killed him off to let Ben get back together with Tim. Uh, five years later was that final one where I broke and just wrote, are you effing kidding me? Because there was like five minutes left in this movie. And a taxi, that's what is written on the side of the taxi cab. But not Bridgetown taxi, but Ridgetown taxi. Ridge. I didn't see, I didn't that. see that. That's amazing. <laughs> Which was great. Um, yeah, and then I guess they live happily happily ever after tim tim who has become an artist is showing in one of the galleries on first street i think it looked like it said uh the trade gallery so i don't know if that's a real gallery or not but they uh ben shows up at the show and stays there and they reconnect and hold hold pinky fingers and i think the very last scene is there a scene after that or not that's That's it. it that's it we get our happy ending question mark that he's with <laughs> the bad guy, I guess. The credits started rolling and Mark cried. <laughs> Tears of happiness that the film was over. Uh, I, I cried when I was at the 47 minute mark and <laughs> knew I had over an hour left. That's when I cried. Um, but yeah, I tease. It's it's a much better made. The, the screener copy that I got had Cyrillic subtitles, which I also found entertaining entertaining so i got to enjoy that during the movie but yeah you can I'd, rent this or or buy it on all the major uh streaming platforms i watched yeah, it for I free on netflix about a month and a half ago and then uh, oh they took it away to, we had to pay for it today it is on it is on apple tv yep as well so go check it out and it sounds like if you get in that algorithm for cozy cozy uh gay romance movies then i and i would imagine you could do much much worse than this movie in in a genre like that so yeah i thought it was i thought it was really done i thought there was there was a couple very sweet moments in it that i thought were were cute and fun and if it would have if it would have been an hour hour 20 long i would have enjoyed enjoyed it the last the last half was a little much with all the time traveling that we were expected to do so well if you'll excuse me i'm gonna go watch soft lad now so <laughs> <laughs> what was the uh, what was the other one it was the second one that you said of this movie said, sodom it was like it was a, <laughs> just <laughs> sodom oh yeah just sodom that was pretty funny <laughs> um so yeah go go check it out if 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 you were uh, wanting to go check it out. It was super fun to see all these locations just retrofitted into, into far flung locations. And I thought they did a really great job of it. Cause usually they just will show downtown Portland and it's like Denver. And it's like, what? No. <laughs> so this, they put a nice, a nice amount of effort into making it read as different places. 
Which works surprisingly well at that Saturday market thing with those little arches. They just shot yeah. those arches from every single direction, <laughs> every single close up, every single everything, and they just worked with it. So that was really fun. Fun to I see. Wonder, I wonder if this help holds up next to the book. No. Oh, that's a good question. Nick, you'll have to maybe you could mark did. well, Mark, you're in a book club. Maybe you can suggest <laughs> the I did. something like series. I did check out the author's Instagram feed and when he was talking about the release of the film, he he did mention that it strays from the original material, uh-huh. but that it's complementary. And so he um he, don't check out his his Instagram feed. It's terrible. It's, it's a lot of soft core imagery. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's got issues. <laughs> Which I mean, and and I guess to that point, I think this movie was super tasteful. It was like it handled everything like very romantically. Like it wasn't exploitative, and it wasn't like gross and weird. I thought it was like all of that was super well done too. So it's kind of funny to see that maybe some of his his other stuff dips more into into that area. But I th- I thought that was great too. I mean, it's appropriate for. I think there's no cursing in it or anything. And there was make outs, but there was never like love scenes or anything like that. So it was well, all book, very. The book series is actually young adult fiction. So. Oh, OK. That, yeah. And I could see large time jumps like this working a lot better in book form than maybe it is in in movie form. But anyway, well. Either way, I appreciate this being brought to our attention, Nick. So, so thank you for that, and thank you for joining us. It's it's I've been harp, harping on you to at some point join us. So this was the is the this our first thing. first musical and first gay film? I believe so. I don't know. Was that one? Um, uh, Clackamas. It was the play within a play, like Waiting for Guffman. No, I guess that wasn't a musical, or was it? I don't it was that Waiting for Guffman. I forget what it's called now, made by that famous guy, and I was very disappointed anyway. But yeah, mm. I think we'll just call this our first our first musical. So, <laughs> um, Nicholas, if people want to find out, if, if people are delighted by you as they should be, where can they find out more information about you? Uh, I write children's books. Uh, you can find more information at theculturedchef.com. I write under the name Nico Seabright, and uh, yeah. And you just opened yeah, up your TikTok channel. I just your opened tic- up my TikTok, TikTok channel, shop. and we're posting Ooh. new videos, and it's very exciting. Where are you at TikTok? Uh, Nico Seabright. Nico Seabright. Nico N-I-C-O or N-I-K? N-I-C-O Seabright. S-E-A-B-R-I-G-H-T. Perfect. Yeah. And your culture chef is a uh, children's cookbook uh, with recipes from around the world and information. You made a contribution to that book. What's that? Todd, Todd made a uh, contribution to that book. He oh, wrote, that's right, I did. You, we paid you to write the subtitle, and what that's was the right. title? Uh, oh, I don't even I remember. Don't. Neither does he. <laughs> I don't remember either. He messes it up every single time he says it. All I know is that you worked into the contract that I do not get royalties. So <laughs> there you go. So yes, go check uh, culturedchef.com out. I think that's what you said, and Nico Seabright on. Uh, TikTok. Mark, what about you? Uh, you can find us sometimes on uh, the Mark and Todd cast when, when I show up and, and uh, Nate does, 
<laughs> doesn't. Yes, I, uh, surprise. I was like, I wonder if my, I forgot to tell Mark that I was just fully recording with someone else this week. <laughs> that, that was a surprise, but it was like, oh, that's, that's cool. <laughs> Fine with me. Uh, yeah, uh, the Mark and Todd cast, we talk about Portland and science things, and you can uh, listen to us on uh, Fun Employment Radio. Yes, that is true. Oh, and Fun Employment Radio, speaking of, uh, coming up on the 15th, the 16th, which one of those is a Saturday? Um, they are having a get together at Landmark Saloon downtown on December 16. Um, I don't have the hours in front of me, but at funemploymentradio.com, you can see the hours. And it's not a listener, big listener party or anything. It's just kind of a get together. And Greg's uh, 80s uh, hair tribute band, like bad hair metal band, Courage, is going to be playing us uh, a Christmas song. So it is oh, a fun. Courage Christmas uh, a Courage Country Christmas show at the Landmark Saloon on December 16 uh, in the afternoon. So I will be uh, there for a while. So um, come say hi if you want to. Other than that, we will take you out uh, with whatever song they play at the end of this movie. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye. Every